0: This is a podcast from TheBuglePodcast.com. The Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to issue 217 of The Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world, week beginning Monday, the 17th of December. 2012, The last full bugle of 2012. Unquestionably one of the years of the decade so far with me, and his Zaltzman, verifiably live in London. And if you don't believe me, listen to this. The unmistakable sound of the British hooping rat hibernating. And joining me from the city that once hosted a meeting between Mike Simpson and Lizzie Jones, probably, I've no idea who they are, but statistically at some point... Two people with those names did meet. In New York, it's the man who's proved himself over the years, unquestionably a useful component of this podcast. I think most buglers (laughs) would agree. It's John Oliver. (laughs) Well, careful not to
1: oversell that, Andy. (laughs) (laughs) You're quite the hype man. Uh, Hello, Andy. Hello, buglers. Well, frankly, (laughs) you Mayans, we're still here. (laughs) Apparently, the end of the world could technically come any time between now and next Friday. But frankly, I don't see any volcanoes exploding, Andy. So this apocalypse so far has been a huge letdown. (laughs) I I should have been surfing down a river of fire by now, Andy. And it looks like I've flame-proofed my board for nothing. Um, But welcome back from India, Andy. How was your trip?
0: Oh, it was excellent, John. I can confirm the weather is hotter in India than it is in London in December. That that is now... That's been scientifically proven now.
1: That's not just a conspiracy theory. Though. No, no, no.
0: I think I do have evidence for that. Yeah.
1: OK. And now you actually got caught up in something of a football riot over yeah, there. Uh, did you uh,
0: I, I, well, yeah. I mean, I wasn't personally responsible for it. I was going to talk <laughs> well, about it. Why do you say that? I'll talk about it in the sports section of the show. Okay. But it was, okay. it was certainly, you know, not where, not what you picture. When you imagine India, you do not picture mm-hmm. 100,000 football fans going bonkers. Was it was it your, so, was it your attempt in a way to
1: bring some of the culture of our great national sport over to India in the well, hope that it takes off?
0: Yeah, I mean that's right. We've given so much to India, yeah, uh, you know, um, and taken so much away from India. <laughs> that well, there's no there's no denying that. Yeah, so as the British
1: Museum can testify. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so yeah, football hooliganism. Yeah, it's one of our great defining national characteristics, mm-hmm. and it seems a shame for India to uh, get the railways but miss out on that. Well, we'll talk about it later, Andy. We'll yep. talk about that later in sport. Yep. Well, there's, a, there's a lot of differences, John, between uh, India and, and Britain. A taxi's a bit more expensive here. You can cross probably uh-huh. the whole of India for what it costs you to climb into a London cab. And <laughs> the difference between rich and poor is even more striking in India, partly because in Britain we've learned to apply the out-of-sight, out-of-mind principle much more effectively than they have yet. I'm, I'm sure they'll <laughs> pick it up. It's learned by It'll behavior. come. It'll come. As always, a section of this audio newspaper is going straight into the bin. This week, uh, step-by-step guides to how to break the alleged non-existence of Santa Claus to your children. Uh, the time may have come once your children have reached you know, the age of 13 or 14 to finally let them in to the fact that Santa Claus does not exist. And we have four suggested ways to tell them. Mm-hmm. Method A. Kids, sit down. I've got some bad news. I'm sorry, but Father Christmas died in an 820-mile-an-hour sleigh smash last night. <laughs> One of his reindeers snagged an antler in an overhead power cable. Don't worry, he wouldn't have felt a thing. <laughs> no, they don't really know why they were flying so low, uh, and they did think they'd found the black box recorder, but it actually turned out it was just a black box with a child's recorder in it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, basically what I'm saying is you're not getting your BMX, uh, unless you can put it together from the child wreckage spread over three acres in a field in northern Germany. Yes, Germany. No, I don't think it was too soon for him to have them back on the list of countries that he visits. Yeah, well, it was terrible, and it was 70 odd years ago now. <laughs> no, 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 I don't agree with that. And technically, it's now the sins of the great great grandfather anyway. Method B. Yeah, bad news. Uh, yeah, well, he's been arrested in a police probe. I'm sure he's innocent, but but with hindsight, the way he dressed and his obsession with gifts for no, no, I'm sure he's innocent. He's definitely innocent. <laughs> Method C. Oh, you didn't believe that shit, did you? Uh, fat pensioner delivering presents to hundreds of millions of children in the, around the world in one night. Grow the f*** up, kid. And method D. Uh, closed down on health and safety grounds. Reindeer roaming around his office and word workshop crapping everywhere. You might have been <laughs> able to swing that shit in the 1970s, but not anymore, thank you, Brussels. <laughs> that section in the bin.
1: Top story this week. Season's greetings! Ho ho ho! It's a
0: holiday bugle! <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> right? Well, I mean, that's yeah. something. There's probably quite a lot of animated Christmas movies coming up in the next few years, don't I think you've got to Exactly la- what I'm thinking Lay down oh, a marker there, mate.
1: Obviously, it's too late for this year, but this is the time of the year that you're thinking about next year's. Yeah. Holiday movies, and I think I've put myself right in the sweet spot there. <laughs> Haven't I, Andy? <laughs> uh, now, Buglers, this episode is best listened to next to a roaring fire with snow falling lightly outside and a reindeer slowly cooking over the flames. It's Christmas time, or any of the other holidays that crash land around this time of year, I'd ask you what night of Hanukkah it is, Andy, but, but for the fact that I can be absolutely sure that you don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, they all blend into one, John. It's just such a No, they don't. No they don't. <laughs> no, they don't,
1: Andy. I mean, a they candle. They very much don't. A candle's a candle, you know. <laughs> it's not not true, Andy. Yep. Not true. <laughs> um, <laughs> what a bad you? Uh, so, anyway, the point is, before we go on break for a couple of weeks, we have a special holiday bugle to keep you warm and toasty. First up, Christianity news. Uh, This is the time of year, of course, where some Christians uh, like to both celebrate the birth of Christ and also bitterly complain about how no one else can celebrate anything unless it's also Christ (laughs) birth-based. For them, Santa has no place in Christmas celebrations unless he too is willing to be nailed to a piece of wood and bleed to death. (laughs) Because for Christianity, Christmas is... The most celebratory and also the most passive-aggressive couple of weeks imaginable. <laughs> and in Christian's defence, Andy, Santa does only do good work one night a year. Jesus was doing it 365 days a year. <laughs> Jesus was a year-round Santa, if you will, an all-weather Saint Nick, a four-season Father Christmas, a 24/7 Santa Claus. Santa Claus.
0: Santa <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's terrible what they did, isn't it, Andy? Just terrible. <laughs> just move on, mate. Just move it's on. terrible. Move just on. <laughs> awful. Uh, here in uh, America, there are lots of Christians who feel inexplicably persecuted by being in a gigantic majority. Uh, but, in, <laughs> but in the UK, Christianity recently had some news that it may want to genuinely worry about. Uh, in a major census, it was discovered that there were 4 million fewer Christians in England and Wales in 2011 than just 10 years earlier. What happened to them? Have they been hidden somewhere, Andy? What have you been doing with Christians over there? Because there are some very fat lions in London Zoo rubbing their bellies, going, oh, that takes me back. <laughs> the census found uh, that among those who stated a religious affiliation, Christians remained the largest group by far 33.2 million, representing 59% of residents in Britain. Uh, this compares with 37.3 million, 72%. In 2001, Uh, the Centre revealed that Britain's second most uh, common category was no religion, comprising more than a quarter of the population. So that is great news for atheists, Andy. They're going to be so excited when they die, and (laughs) they're welcomed into the embrace of just a black void, a complete nothingness, saying, Yes! Life was meaningless. I knew it. Yeah, you're right. I technically don't win anything with this victory. I do now have a huge empty chasmus feeling inside, but it's still good to know that I was right. And that, Andy, would be a great time to have God suddenly switch on a light and say, surprise, Christian God, it was me all along. Look at his face. <laughs> I will never get tired of seeing that shocked expression. Anyway, lovely to meet you. Enjoy burning in eternal hell. Wasted Sunday's my arse. Hold on, turn the lights off, there's another
0: one coming. Everybody be quiet. <laughs> surprise! Well, this is it, John. Yeah, we're still over 30 million Christians in Britain, but almost none of them actually go to church. And I think people are... It's basically just a cover bet for exactly yeah. that situation. Yeah. You know, if you get there, you're an atheist. You get pulled up by God on the way out of life. And then you can say to it, actually, you know, I did i did call myself Christian yeah. on the census form. Surely, just give me 10 years in the other place and then I'm allowed in. Come on. The
1: Church of England is basically selling an insurance policy now, Andy.
0: Yeah. The, That's what religion they're, basically they're, is. <laughs> a spiritual cover bet on the annihilation of death. <laughs> wow. Well, why don't? Why isn't that little slogan hung outside yeah, churches? Yeah. What's always Jesus loves you. you know, not yeah. Calling it as it really is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the uh, the third most. Is, that is a great bumper sticker though. <laughs> The, uh, the third most popular category uh, in England was Muslim, with numbers rising from 1.5 uh, million uh, to 2.7 million over the last 10 years. Uh, that's 4.8% of the population. Oh, my God, Andy. 4.8% F- of the population. But, but that's less than half a child in every 10 children. The Muslims are coming, Andy! <laughs> the Muslims are coming! It's happening! The Muslims are here! Uh, so... Look, it's a pretty big drop for Christianity. There's no doubt about that, even though they do still have some pretty good market share. If Christianity was a business, which it isn't definitely not, (laughs) then uh, the shareholders would frankly have some pretty tough questions to ask of the board. Uh, Church leaders uh, in England have described the latest census figures as challenging. And so they already sound like an under-pressure CEO (laughs) At a yearly review panel right there. We know that this has not been the strongest quarter for Christianity, but uh, we still believe we're a strong brand with broad appeal, loyal customer base. That said, the numbers can clearly be improved. The product can and will be tweaked. And, uh, you know, if we have to go out there and attack our competitors, then that's what we'll do. We've done it before. Frankly, we'll do it again. Mark my words, 2013 is going to see the kind of aggressive growth that we haven't seen since the Crusades when we were sailing around the world murdering people. I don't say that lightly. Watch this space. Watch it. Uh, Catholicism is already making strides uh, to modernise. The Pope started tweeting this week. Yeah, not before time, John. Yeah. (laughs) Well, baby steps. Uh, the, the Pope started tweeting this week, and uh, that sentence alone, I think, may signify our descent into the fourth circle of hell. That
0: shows what an amazing year it's been, John. Two people you'd never expected to start tweeting, yeah. started tweeting: the Pope and you, Yeah. and Michael yeah. Atherton, the former England I, cricket captain. I, I, Three people you just never thought would sully themselves with the
1: debasements of Twitter. I think the Pope has already sent more tweets than I have. <laughs> yeah, the, the Pope sent is. Highly anticipated first Twitter message from his personal account. So what was that message, Andy? He could have gone with, uh, What up, bitches? P-unit
0: <laughs> in your face. You better redneck a nice. Was it not... Uh, I don't know if I'm following the official account, but I thought his first tweets was, Hey, peeps, Pope Ben here. You're all sinners. Jesus is awesome. Hashtag, yes, I he can.
1: <laughs> what well, incredibly, Andy. Neither of those were the actual message, even though they're great guesses and better than what (laughs) came down. His message was apparently sent from an iPad tablet at the Vatican, uh, and it read, Dear friends, I am pleased to get in touch with you through Twitter. Thank you for your generous response. I bless all of you from my heart. And that was it. Not the funniest tweet he could have sent, Andy, and he opted not to end the message with hashtag I am the actual Pope, hashtag appointed by God, or hashtag my house is huge. But it was... (laughs) But it was a yeah. very warm statement to dip his toe into the cesspit of Twitter. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, unfortunately, <laughs> if my experience was anything to go by, before he'd even logged out of Twitter, someone would have sent the Pope a message telling him to go eat a bag of dicks. <laughs> I- <laughs> I guess, holy dicks in his case, Andy. Although, I suppose any dick is holy when it's being eaten by the... Po- you know what? <laughs> that was, this was not the discussion that I was trying to get in. The point is, I hope he's not checking what people are writing back to him.
0: Other hashtags at Pontifex as used so far include hashtag drink a cup of blood, hashtag <laughs> oops, no, we are officially really quite sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, that could have been his first tweet, surely. Yes. Just cut on the table. Uh, Sorry. We are very sorry. Uh, hashtag fires of eternal damnation and hashtag watch out, they're really hot. Uh, the Pope, uh, that's the earthly representative of Santa Claus, um, has... Uh, Sinterklaas! 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 <laughs> has um, has been tweeting in eight languages and has a number mm. of other Twitter handles aside from the official at Pontifex, including um, at BennyBigHat16, <laughs> at RepentOrBurn2012. At the Mighty Mitre and at Sinners to Winners, spelt with... Oh, that's um, good. Yeah, Sin-as to win-as. So, um, <laughs> well, that's, this well, is I'll, the future, John.
1: The future. After his after his first tweet on Wednesday, he po- very quickly posted two follow-up messages and then live-tweeted an episode of The X Factor. <laughs> uh, the, the two follow-up messages were concerning the church's recently launched Year of Faith initiative intending to re-energise Catholicism. Although, as you alluded to there, Andy, I don't think anything would re-energise Catholicism better than ending... Every tweet he's sending with hashtag sorry about all that child abuse, (laughs) hashtag are bad, hashtag pre should definitely not do that, hashtag seriously. Instead, his follow up tweets were how can we celebrate the year of faith better in our daily lives before answering his own question with by speaking with Jesus in prayer, listening to what he tells you in the gospel and looking for him in those in need. Ah, uh, His Twitter account's already bullshit and he's just using it to promote stuff. I don't want to hear what projects the Pope has coming up, Andy. I want to hear what he's eating. I want to hear tweets like, about to deliver sermon on Balcony of St Peter's Basilica. That breakfast burrito might have been a mistake. Hashtag seemed a bit iffy. Hashtag always trust your instincts. <laughs> Hashtag hope my gown doesn't billow up too much. <laughs> or, or if you wow. Well, we're going to hell, Andy. <laughs> but that was—that's not, not a new thing. So it's not—you yeah. know—you're you, not—you're not going any further. My feet yeah. are already toast. Totally... You can't
0: be more in hell than exactly. in hell,
1: can you? Once you're in, you're in, and you might right. as well just make the it's best a of a bad situation, situation isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> or, or you know, if he has to promote something, Andy, make it more personal. Say, "You should really get Christ into your life. Look at where it got me!" Exclamation mark. Hashtag <laughs> having one of those Pope days. Hashtag <laughs> humble brag. Uh, the the Pope's. Uh, English account already has more than a million followers uh, and is growing fast. Um, uh, And so far, the Pope's accounts, as you mentioned, at Pontifex, which means uh, pontiff or builder of bridges, uh, are only following each other. Oh, really, Pope? (laughs) So not following at God or at Jesus or, at the very least, at Hello Buglers then. That seems a little hypocritical. And uh, I've got a couple of words of warning for the Pope, Andy. Twitter has gotten people into trouble in the past. People get caught saying things that they shouldn't be saying or sending photos that they shouldn't be sending. And I just hope Twitter doesn't bring him down by catching him twi- tweeting pictures of his junk around. His <laughs> junk, Andy. You know, the junk he's got lying around the Vatican.
0: Yeah, that yeah. Kind I mean, of there's junk. a lot of junk there. I
1: mean, yeah. well, you know,
0: the provenance of that junk. Yeah. And the trunks that it's in, you know. I mean, you can ask questions about that. But you know. uh, question? Well, actually,
1: questions can be submitted to the Pope using the hashtag... Uh, Ask, ask Pontifex. And that is a big mistake, Popey. Big mistake. He better get ready for a lot of questions like, when I die, will my balls go to heaven too? <laughs> <laughs> that, <laughs> From no.
0: at Silvio Berlusconi. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, there are some actual questions. I was looking at the, uh, the hashtag. Uh, so this, these are some actual questions I looked at this morning. Hashtag Ask Pontifex. Holy Father, do you have any suggestions for people hoping to deepen their prayer life? Thank you. So, you know, that, that was not too bad maybe these questions are going to work out. Here's another one, uh, at Pontifex. Uh, hello, Father. When will you come to Indonesia? Hashtag Ask Pontifex. And then a smiley face there as well. So that's also very nice. Yeah. Nice welcome there. Uh, here's another one. Hi, at Pontifex. Regarding turning water into wine, uh-oh, here it comes. <laughs> I can turn wine into piss. Is it a miracle? Hashtag <laughs> Ask Pontifex. And here it comes, Andy. A final one, hey, when are you going to address the rampant child rape in your church? Just curious, <laughs> hashtag <AskFontifex. laughs> See, and that is why this was probably a bad idea, because preaching to the choir is one thing, but preaching to the internet is a whole nother caboodle of trouble.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the Pope, who's Christmas present from his work colleagues in St Peter's this year, is rumoured to be a personalised car licence plate, BXV1, to go on his Pope-mobile. Uh, he's in- increasingly committed to interacting with his followers using new media. And uh, later in the week, he's going to be holding a chat room INA session. That's Inquisition and Answer. So do uh, do join in with that.
1: <laughs> Christmas gifts feature now. And uh, if you're struggling to find the perfect gift for that special someone, then we may be able to help you. <laughs> um, maybe you'd like to take your inspiration from News International and give someone a £10.9 million payoff. <laughs> Uh, because Ooh, that for us, John? To... was that for well, us? No, it was. That's the point, Andy. All right. It was. That's what they gave to Rebecca Brooks in compensation for loss of office after she lost her job following her involvement with a phone hacking scandal. And that's a pretty great gift, Andy. Because you know they, they could have got her ten point nine million pounds in gift certificates, but then she'd have had to spend them at those particular stores. Now she can just spend the money anywhere yeah.
0: and or on lawyers,
1: which is. Oh. <laughs> Not <laughs> like the most likely <laughs> receptacle. Well, the point is she can choose. Yeah. Interestingly, Andy, when we were fired from the Times, I don't recall getting a £10.9 million no. payoff. Do you? Maybe that check's in the post. Or do you have my £10.9 million <laughs> check at well, home, Andy?
0: Well, Can I pick it up when I'm in London next week? Um, well, we need to talk about it, John, because, <laughs> you know, I've picked up a lot of costs over the years. Yeah. So. <laughs> You know I mean? That's always the headline figure, isn't it? You know, the real yeah. amount is often so much right. less. Perhaps our mistake,
1: though, Andy, was that we weren't fired for being involved in phone hacking. We were fired for being annoying. <laughs> and, you know, it, it turns um, out that just...
0: Anno- <laughs> annoying and pointless.
1: <laughs> it, just doesn't get, it just doesn't get you the kind of se- same kind of severance pay as right. an issue. If you'd spent your time, Andy, hacking phones instead of hacking out puns, we'd be millionaires <laughs> by now. <laughs> I just wish... I'd had the foresight to ask Santa for that when I was a little boy, Andy, sitting on his lap in Birmingham shopping centre saying, well, Santa, I'd like a football and a bike and a £10.9 million payoff for helping British journalism sink to a new low, please.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, if you ask him for it, he'll probably get it. Yeah, he's good like that.
1: Now, if if you're looking for a gift for someone that's a bit out of the ordinary, then how about this? The first ever African city edition of the uh, famous board game Monopoly has been launched, and the city in question is Lagos, Nigeria. Uh, Two countries in Africa already have Monopoly editions, Morocco and South Africa, but there is no single city that has its own customised edition until now. And if it seems a slightly odd choice, Lagos, it's worth knowing that it's actually one of the fastest-growing cities in the world. And there was a lot of speculation over what areas would make it to the various squares on the board. The coveted Mayfair slot for the most expensive property went to Banana Island. And the least coveted, uh, the cheapest slot on the board, the Old Kent Road spot, if you will, went to Makoko, which is apparently a slum on stilts over the city's lagoon. and <laughs> Slightly better than the Old Kent Road in London. Wow. I, I of, mean, that's... Is, exactly. <laughs> it does kind of put the divide between the developed and the developing world into perspective, because <laughs> the Old Kent Road, you know, sure... It's not the nicest area in London, Andy. But it is, frankly, to put this in the most pleasant possible way, a of a lot
0: nicer than a slum on stilts over a lagoon. (laughs) Banana Island is a man-made island for the super wealthy, in which they can Mm -hmm. cut themselves off from the people whose resources and money they have effectively stolen. Sorry, in which (laughs) they can give themselves a bit of peace and quiet away from the hectic task (laughs) of dragging their country forward to become a 21st century economic powerhouse. (laughs) And uh, it was one of the headlines I saw was Africa gets its first version of Monopoly. Well, try telling that to the 19th century colonialists who <laughs> exploited Africa until there were almost no ploits left to X. Uh, the Scramble for Africa uh, might sound like a charity fundraising crawl through a giant sandpit to raise awareness of the plight of the Saharan desert donkey. But it was, in fact, a 19th century charity fund stripping F- event over several decades to raise awareness of the need for European countries to establish economic control over the entire world that would sustain them for the next hundred years and provide them with a steady supply of tusks with which to ward off burglars. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, other aspects of uh, the game have been uh, specially tailored for Lagos, like the go-to-jail cards, which read, go to jail, go directly to Kirikiri Jail, referring to the city's maximum security prison. Uh, one of the chance cards reads, for attempting to bribe a law enforcement agent to pay a fine. Another says, you've been caught driving against traffic, report for psychiatric evaluation. <laughs> and- I'm guessing that the other Nigerian chance cards read, uh, you've been kidnapped and a ransom has been demanded for your return. Lose a turn and a finger. And uh, a Nigerian prince has inherited millions of dollars. Send him $500 in cash immediately and you can share part
0: of that fortune. (laughs) But um, that's an interesting one about the um, attempting to bribe a a police officer. Um, Yeah. Because surely the reaction to that is just... Bribe him with a bit more because that's <laughs> Nigeria <laughs> yes. has quite spectacular levels of corruption. A former senior World Bank, uh, World Banker Obi Ezekwesili, uh, stated that 400 billion dollars of Nigeria's oil revenue has been stolen or misspent since 1960. Now that's holy shit. That's I mean that's quite a lot, particularly when you consider that. Around 80 million people over half the population live on less than $2 a day. So oh $2 billion God. a year of oil is just stolen, John. So, <laughs> oh so there's always loopholes in the rules in uh, in Lagos Monopoly. For example, if you buy an oil well, then you can just help yourself to all the money in the bank and declare yourself the winner of the game. ha. <laughs> Or if you're still stumped for gifts, you
1: uh, may want to take some inspiration from Silvio Berlusconi, who has decided to surprise Italy with the gift of himself. In fact, he's not just giving himself to Italy, Andy, he's giving himself to the whole planet. He's tying a a bow around his penis and saying, (laughs) Happy Christmas, world. Lots of love, Silvio. Uh, What happened was uh, that the... Italian Prime Minister Mario Monti has announced that he will step down from office after losing the support of Berlusconi's party, triggering an Italian election early next year in which Berlusconi, in a shock move, has (laughs) announced that he will run. So, you know what this means, Andy? The horn dog is about to return to his own vomit. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) This is all the more impressive, seeing as how you might remember buglers, just six weeks ago, Berlusconi was sentenced to four years in jail for
0: fraud. (laughs) It's a Christmas miracle, Andy! (laughs) Um, Well, as you say, John, I mean, this is, you know, in what's been a tough year for the world. This is a shaft of light. The world in 2012 has had a lot of problems. The Syrian crisis has rumbled on like the indigestible curry of conflict and compromise that it is. The Arab Spring has proved to be not quite as boingy a spring as might have been ideal. The European economy has continued to fire bullets into its own balls while saying, why is this still hurting? I've coated these bullets in an anaesthetic. (laughs) The the American election showed quite how far the definition of democracy can be stretched and twisted without it snapping into pieces. And British morality has been on an all-expenses-paid scuba diving trip to the bottom of the ethical Marianas Trench. So what we need is a little bit of life. Wow, that's a hell of a review of the year, Andy. (laughs) Plus there was the Olympics, you forgot that. Well, when sport did its best to provide that light during the Olympics and the Paralympics, but even that was not enough, it needed more. The magic royal baby will solve all the world's problems. Yes. But it's not due out until the middle of next year. So bravely oh, God. stepping oh. into the breach to give us hope where all around is gloom. A one-man war against sanity and tedium. Yes. Silvio yes. Berlusconi riding oh. to the rescue like a morally inverted Robin Hood on a horse made of <laughs> shit. <laughs> At the first Christmas, John, God gave his only son <laughs> to the world. Yes. Born under a Norwegian spruce and wrapped yes. in tinsel with some flashing lights around his head. Oh. So that we might be forgiven for our sins or something rather other, I forget. Testify. Oh, boy, people found the loopholes in that, being forgiven for sins, small print. But then, almost 2,000 years later, he gave the world his only Silvio Berlusconi. <laughs> that it might find laughter where otherwise yes. there were only tears. Italy yes. has dabbled with technocracy. And it has responded to that by saying, Mamma mia, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't want Berlusconi back for what he does, John. Obviously not. They're not that crazy as <laughs> a nation. It wants yeah. Berlusconi back for what he is and what he represents. The utopian democratic ideal that anyone can rise to the top, provided that they are a lunatic with a wide range of social psychoses and aversion <laughs> to not putting their peony asses in things, industrial strength makeup and hair dye and ruthless control of the media. He's an oh. inspiration to us all, John. Oh, I th- the truth
1: is, I think we all saw this coming from a mile off, because <laughs> the choice between Mario Monti and Berlusconi was always going to be a difficult one for the Italians. It's like choosing between broccoli and cocaine. You know that one's good for you. The problem is you're addicted to cocaine. <laughs> and- The two men couldn't be more different. On the one hand, Mario Monti is an economist and an academic, a dour man, tasked with imposing strict austerity measures and balancing Italy's books. On the other hand, Berlusconi is a one-man-walking Cialis commercial. (laughs) He walks around all day in the permanent (laughs) haze of a chemically-induced boner. So, (laughs) it, it, it... It looks like Italy is about to once more seriously consider taking back a man who not only got them into this financial mess in the first place, but who has also been charged with, among other allegations, bribery, drug trafficking, prostitution, (laughs) mafia collusion, false accounting and embezzlement. Let me tell you, Andy, the only crime that Berlusconi is guilty of is being too Italian. (laughs) That, as well as perjury, illegal party (laughs) financing and fraud. Look, Italy, look... Taking him back once is an understandable mistake. Taking him back twice is because we don't know Silvio like you know Silvio. He's a good boy. But re-electing him four times, that's going to start to seem like you have a serious self-esteem problem. (laughs) I'm telling you, Andy, it turns out the only way that Italians can make clean breaks with their leaders is if they end up hanging them on meat hooks outside (laughs) petrol stations. And this, this might all seem absolutely crazy, but here is the thing. You've got to look at this from Italy's point of view. Their economy is in the toilet. Unemployment is over 11%. It's not fun over there. And that's a country built on fun. The difference between Mario Monti and Berlusconi is this. Let's say you're at a very boring party. No one is really having a good time. And then your crazy friend turns up with a keg of homemade tequila and a trunk full of Mexican fireworks. Sure, you know that the house is going to get wrecked, but you also know that the party is about to get a... F- of a lot more interesting (laughs) so i guess what i'm saying is good luck to you italy
0: you crazy bastards i think john mario monti deserves a lot of credit here yes for resigning because he's clearly looked at himself in the mirror and then he's looked over his shoulder at his nation (laughs) italy and to his eternal credit he said to himself no i mario monti cannot give the italian public what they want I might be able to give them what they need but I cannot give them what they want and he clearly wants Berlusconi back just as much as everyone else yeah, yeah. is he not
1: Italian Andy that's right if you cut him open is he not delicious <laughs> the point is buglers you don't need to get gifts for anyone <laughs>
0: because Berlusconi might be coming back And now a quick rundown of uh, other Christmas gifts exclusively available to Bugle listeners, uh, including an exorcise bike. Are you worried that one of your loved <laughs> ones has been possessed by evil spirits? <laughs> then try the new Medievax Exorciser G6. Place the possessed victim on the exorcise bike, and as they pedal, an automatic micro-priest will rise from the handlebars to incant prayers and invocations to a programmable range of saints. Whilst the electronic readout screen displays animations of religious icons screaming, OUT, DEMON, OUT! (laughs) Comes complete with a demon electromagnet to stop the exorcised demon escaping into a house or local neighbourhood. Also available in other religions, with occult and secular models due for release next summer, endorsed by the International Association of Exorcists, which is a (laughs) a body that does actually exist, John. (laughs) The IAE. Um, (laughs) Also available, the tantrompoline the the world is an increasingly highly strung planet in this 21st century 24/7 communication culture we all get wound up by things like work friends family life gadget stuff news c-s, things going beep people trying to sell, <laughs> sell us shit other things and the constant threat of disappointment and death so sometimes we just want to let it all out and lose our fruit big time how to do it without insulting loved ones getting the sack being arrested and charged with a public disorder offence or breaking a stained glass window well use the trampoline to bounce up and down which has been scientifically proven to release pent-up rage 45% quicker than standing still the trampoline could both give you the fury forum you need and save you valuable time. Manufactured by leading irascible soothing accessory firm Splenetico with high tech bile absorbent fibers, the Tan Trampoline is fully soundproof to enable you to curse, upbraid, and insult those close to you in 100% privacy, and is fitted with a wireless rage gauge so you can tell how many more bounces and strops you need to throw before you're fully padded out. From the makers of 20 Tailed and 10's top selling personal fury gym, the Pod, the Tan Trampoline is 650% bouncier and four times as effective as its closest market competitor, the Exasperax Myth Mattress. Can be used in conjunction <laughs> with the Steve, Gr- Steve Redgrave rowing machine for a complete decolorisation program. <laughs> also for the home, hanky pankies, handkerchiefs modelled on the Pankhurst family, uh, luxury bed linen, Len- <laughs> sleeping sheep shaped like the pelt of the late former communist pin-up Lenin, and on pillowcases bristled with replicas of the beard famously worn by the pioneering Soviet and the Teles Pope. <laughs> Look through <laughs> the Vatican <laughs> door. The Vatican-endorsed telescope to see the world how the pontiff <laughs> sees it makes make some things appear much bigger than they are whilst being completely blind to other things. <laughs> and also, the greatest gift anyone can give each other or themselves, yep. a Bugle Volunto subscription. Oh, very guaranteeing nice. you free downloads for the length of your subscription or life, whichever ends soonest. Uh, of the already free of charge satiricast that could potentially have been listened to by the world's 100 most influential people. Brighten your friends' and family's Christmases by telling them that you have paid for them to listen to something they could already have listened to at no charge anyway if they'd ever heard of it and thought they might try listening to it. See the pretend joy in their faces as they tell you how much they'd always wanted to indirectly help secure the future and independence of a programme that had previously entirely escaped their fear of consciousness (laughs) and tell you that, as a gift, it beats the crap out of the bottle of Bulgarian Merlot you gave them last year. An annual subscription to the Bugle will cost you anything between £1 and £10 billion, depending on how much you decide to give. We'd suggest around the halfway mark between those two (laughs) figures, or maybe £20. It's up to you, but we guarantee there will be no present that goes down better this Christmas with me and John. And if you do subscribe, uh, you will get a free copy of Silvio
1: Berlusconi's new fitness DVD, (laughs) Jogstabating, the (laughs) ultimate cardio workout.
0: (laughs) Available at TheBuglePodcast.com Do not use in conjunction with alcohol Not advice for children aged between 6 months and 3 years Children aged 3 to 12 should listen to The Bugle in 5 minute dosages Do not mix with real news India news now And uh, well John, I had a fantastic time in India but, And it is an absolutely captivating nation And it is a nation that is Embracing modernity Even as it struggles to come to terms With the drag of the past This week it showed what a modern nation it is. More than 100,000 Indians sung the national anthem together in an attempt to break a world record, which was previously held by... Any guesses which nation they might try to childishly trump in a pointless world record attempt? Pakistan, that's right, John. And this is what the world needs. Not childish tit-for-tat arms races and nuclear grandstanding, but childish tit-for-tat attempt to break pointless world records. It's like the Cold War space race all over again, John. That was all about world records, the Soviet Union... <laughs> set the world record for the longest walkies by a doggy. America set a world record for the furthest man from Albuquerque. Um, Neil Armstrong, I mean, he, he, set a, he set a strong target. A few people have matched it, but no one's actually beaten it. Uh, and also, <laughs> then the Eastern Bloc hit back with the most suspiciously masculine female athletes, so whilst America then took the lead with most jetpacks used in an <laughs> Olympic opening ceremony. How, how, <laughs> how the f*** does that record still stand, London? That is a, sh- that is a, that is a scar on our nation. 125,000 people sang the Indian National Anthem at the uh, cricket stadium in Kanpur, um, smashing the previous record held by their neighbours and friendly nuclear rivals, Pakistan. But, John, I can't help feeling this is an opportunity missed. When you've got 125,000 people in a stadium, you don't want to set one world record. You want to set loads of world records. Most people to sing Kylie Minogue's I Should Be So Lucky, largest communal chicken impression, most people describing bread, biggest game of musical statues, that would take a minimum of six weeks to play based on 30 seconds per statue, not including arguments over who was the last to stand still. loudest collective shouting of the word (laughs) most people to simultaneously say Florence Nightingale, oh yeah, I so would. And best of all, they should have set the record for most people to sing the Pakistan national anthem at once. <laughs> just just to rile them.: Yes, just yes. to rile them. This is the future for international diplomacy, John. Just try to set infantile world records.) <laughs> Food news! Quintuple Michelin starred celebrity chef Arnelian Braup has unveiled a new menu at his much garlanded London brasseteront, the super rating flesh wound. The menu is themed around the career of the legendar- legendary boxer, Muhammad Ali. It begins with a densely compacted blackcurrant mousse, uh, the cassis clay, served with a sparring partner of controversialised Vietnamese refusals. Then follows the Muhammad Ali course, fish more and jamon iberico served with an Indian lentil curry and a tab of ecstasy. More ham, a ee <laughs> Then, after this, oh no. comes the crumble in the jungle. A <laughs> oh. traditional crumble to be eaten in the jungle style. That's simultaneously jumping up and down and gargling. Served with a rabbit punch and a rope dope That's entwined vermicelli noodle strings seasoned with marijuana. And to conclude, the griller and vanilla. Two prime cuts of meat tenderized (laughs) against each other in 14 brutal three minute poundings. Then grilled in a vanilla bean crust. Served with a punch in the face to flavor the dish with the diner's (laughs) own blood. Then accompanied accompanied by coffee and French truffles flavored with strawberry and shaped like eyeballs. Joe Frazier. Thank you very much. By which I mean, Happy Hanukkah. Bugle logo competition, and I think we said we'd announce the winner this week, but, well, guess what, Buglers, we've over-recorded again, and we're about to be that chucked out unlikely. of the studio. That seems so unlikely, yeah. how would we have done that? So we're think? going to save that for a special uh, awards announcement, bu- Micro Bugle, next week. Yes. John's coming back uh, for a few days off, back yeah. in his former country, if he gets through immigration. Right. Which we'll, we'll see really about that, yeah. <laughs> I've, t- I've tipped them off already at Heathrow. <laughs> so we will confer and make a final final decision. On the new Bugle logo, there's been some tremendous entries and uh, we'll, put, uh, we'll put the best of them up on, on the website uh, once, once we've announced the decision. And so next year is going to finally be just over a year after Bugle independence. Like the commercial yeah. ruthless machine that we God, are, we will launch Bugle merchandise. <laughs> and thanks again to all those who sent, uh, sent emails in. Uh, we've also run out of time for your email, so we might chuck a few of them in the micro Bugle. Next week, uh, don't forget to look at the Bugle SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com slash the hyphen Bugle. And don't forget to give your loved ones the Bugle Volento subscription for Christmas. We can build a better world, by which I mean we can sustain this podcast for another year, (laughs) (laughs) which does help build a better world, unquestionably. Well, it doesn't hurt it, except (laughs) it might. It doesn't have any effect on it at all, let's be honest it's not it's not adversely impacting significantly on the world I think we can safely say that and you can take that to the bank (laughs) take it to the hoop John (laughs) dunk it sport now and well as John mentioned earlier on and I said when you think of India you think of many things you think of Cricket, first of all, of course. You think of Curries, Rickshaw's spiritualism, highly impressive gods with an unnecessary number of limbs, Bollywood, yes. corruption on a level that makes RMPs with their fingers in the expenses <laughs> pie look like they'd picked up a loose ten pence piece and not reported it <laughs> to the cops. You think of the British heroically providing railways a unifying language and logistical expertise to a, a nation forming from thousands of different different sub-nations on a a vast scale. And then you also think of the British heroically exporting hundreds of thousands of tonnes of Indian crops during a famine in India, causing millions of deaths, swings and roundabouts. But what you do not think of, John, is football matches with crowds of 100,000 people going noisily (laughs) berserk. And that is what (laughs) I went to last Sunday, the Kolkata derby, East Bengal against Mohan Bagan, the old rivals like Real Madrid and Barcelona, but more so. And it was... Incredible. It was a raucous atmosphere, untainted by some soulless Muppet on a public address system telling people how excited they were getting. There was noise, there was colour, there was a slightly alarming number of naked flames, and there was considerable surprise that four white British people had turned up to watch. (laughs) 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 And and, uh, it was amazing. We were sitting in the East Bengal end with their uh, extremely exuberant fans. We were offered food, drink, cigarettes, and when a sweet seller took advantage of my obvious westernness to charge me 10 rupees for a little packet of sweets instead of the 2 rupees that it should have cost. The people sitting around me stopped him and made him oh. give me some change. Oh, that's so,
1: fantastic.
0: <laughs> so, so then the football began amidst this amazing enthusiasm, flag-waving flag and an extremely casual attitude towards throwing fireworks over people's heads. And the quality of football... Was neither here nor there. Well, actually, it was both here and there. That <laughs> I here and you, John, over there could have fitted in quite seamlessly. But it was magnificent fun watching this, this spectacle of 100,000 people going bonkers for a pretty low-grade football game until... Just before half-time, East Bengal went 1-0 up. A Bagan player was sent off shortly afterwards for verbalating the referee. And the Bagan fans lost their collective bananas and started throwing (laughs) bits of masonry onto the pitch. A bit of brick hit one of their own players, who was carted off unconscious to hospital with a broken (laughs) jaw. The police waded into the terraces (laughs) and people just fled the stadium. There was general (laughs) pandemonium at the far end of the ground whilst the East Bengal fans just carried on blithely setting off fireworks in their own faces whilst the Mo Bagan fans <laughs> fled for their lives. Play restarted 20 minutes uh, of mayhem later uh, for the 10 seconds left till half-time, after which the Mo Bagan team refused to emerge for the second half. They then followed about 45 minutes of the East Bengal team sitting on the pitch waiting for their opponents to turn up before people started to start running out of fireworks to let off in a dangerous manner and drifted <laughs> off home and the game was uh, called off there were 40 people injured a crisis in the indian football league and it was a truly eye opening experience what have you done Andy? all that is good and bad about raw unadulterated pre-commercial sport but oh. most importantly 1 to the <laughs> east bengal 1 <1-0 laughs> to the we oh top of the league said we are top of the league it's all about the result john it's all about the result Paul's panel verdict, (laughs) home win. (laughs) (laughs) So that's it. We'll be back next week with the micro bugle, with uh, your emails and the news of the new bugle logo recorded live in London with John and I in the same room for one of those very rare bugles. Um, And then there'll be a best of the year package uh, in between Christmas and New Year. And we'll be back hopefully uh, the first Friday stroke Monday of 2013. So uh, that's it Buglers. Have a phenomenal Hanukkah if there's any of it left. Which there, there is. May or may yes, not be. there <laughs> is Andy. There is. I mean, oh my matter? god. I mean what is Yes, it what does. Is, what is it does time? matter. You, what it's is not, time? Not... I mean, what do we need to celebrate these things, you know, it's, it's all eight, about you get 8 days. That's feel, the whole John. point. Yahweh's not going to be any more pleased or sad that's if not one That's not how of those you pronounce missing, his name. Isn't it?
1: It's near reggae
0: why Buglers!